You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, welcome back, queers. This is Season 3, Episode 6 of Thesis on Joan. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community and the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folks, both on stage and behind the curtain. For many queers, theater has been an escape, and this podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while queering the canon along the way. Queers, happy end of Pride. We hope everyone is looking forward to an even queerer summer ahead. So speaking of summers and breaks and all that wonderful stuff, we will be taking our annual hiatus after this episode. We will be back in early fall with lots more interviews, some takes on new theater. So stay tuned, enjoy the next month, month and a half, and we promise we'll be back before you even know it. In the meantime, feel free to message us on Instagram, share any shows that we should know about. We, of course, want queer culture wrecks, even when we're not making the show. So before we jump into our interview today, we wanted to share with you all that friend of the show, Roger Q. Mason, just had a new play announced. So we wanted to give you information in case your summer travels take you to Los Angeles. So Roger Q. Mason's play Lavender Men will premiere with Skylight Theater and Playwrights Arena in Los Angeles, August 6th through September 4th. This genre-pushing play courageously reimagines one of America's most beloved historical icons, President Abraham Lincoln, through a queer person of color's storytelling lens. The production will also be accessible to a national audience via streaming performances beginning August 20th. Visit www.lavendermenplayla.com for more information and to purchase tickets. And we will have a link in our show notes to that. So just a heads up before we start our interview with the incredible Queen Jean, this was recorded the first preview of Soft at MCC, which was just extended through July 17th. So Soft is by Donja R. Love, directed by Whitney White, and Queen Jean has done the costumes. So you can hear some noises in the background as they get ready for their first performance. Um, so that's what's happening there. But we encourage everyone to get out and see Soft before it closes. It's a New York Times critics pick. Um, and after this episode, we think you'll definitely want to check it out. 
Also, Queen Jean hints at some projects with the Black Trans Liberation Movement that she didn't want to share before Pride since this was recorded in May. So you can check out more information about that in our show notes. Definitely pay attention to the Black Trans Liberation Kitchen. And now without further ado, the incredible wisdom of Queen Jean. The Revelator. Queen Jean is a New York City-based costume designer who has designed over 50 shows and counting. She has fully committed her voice to the advocacy of marginalized communities, emphasizing Black trans people. She is currently among few costuming professionals in the NYC theater who live their trans identities out loud while making an effort to ensure she is not the last. Queen founded the Black Trans Liberation in 2020. The organization aims to provide access and employment resources for the TGNC community. Through this work, she has organized community events, protests, and mutual aid drives to denounce the actions of a disenfranchised system and call for an end to racism and white supremacy. She's a firm believer in the preservation and support of Black trans people and a testament to how one can thrive when adequately paid, supported, and loved. Hire the girls is her motto. In 2021, Queen was MoMA PS1's artist-in-residency and co-curated Memoriam and Deliverance. This installation called Awareness of the Last Five Years of Transphobic and Fatal Violence While Celebrating Black Trans Leaders in the Community. She was also the opening speaker for the March on Washington, March on for Voting Rights. Queen has an MFA in design from NYU Tisch. Hello, Queen Jean. Welcome to Thesis on Joan. We are so excited to be talking with you today. Hello. Um, so we like to start with our guests sharing their name, pronouns, and anything else you'd like to share about how you identify. Absolutely. Uh, hi, everyone. Good evening. My name is Queen Jean. Pronouns are she and her. And I show up in this world as a uh, unapologetic Black trans femme uh, coming from Haiti. And I show up in this world also as a storyteller, uh, an educator, uh, and also a revelator. Uh, revealing a lot of spiritual truths that people uh, may be hiding from, may not be ready to come to terms with, but we can unpack it together. So, yeah, that's me, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're, you're a costume designer, and you've designed yes. both for new work and revivals, including Shakespeare. Uh, right. How is your approach different for new work versus revivals, and do you prefer one over the other? No, I actually... Um, I don't think I have a preference. I mean, I think they both actually, oddly enough, require the same amount of, uh, you know, mental space um, and uh, level of, um, you know, research and process and collaboration, ultimately. And I would say that I think what I find exciting, you know, potentially, I think, with the new projects is that uh, it is truly a, a really earnest time. Uh, that you can create. Um, you often may have access, right, to a writer um, who uh, you can, you know, have a lot of information from. We often are dealing with uh, pieces that sometimes might even feel autobiographical. So it's helpful that, like, there are references that, you know, you can often pull from, uh, things that you can actually use for deeper meaning, uh, for contextualization, all of those. So that to me is really exciting. And, um, and honestly, it's one of those things that like, we don't have any rules, honestly. Uh, I think oftentimes with the revivals or with, you know, a previous work or the reimagined Shakespeare's, um, you know, as a society, I think we all have this idea, all right, of what, um, what we're expecting to see, uh, you know, when we go to, you know, to a Hamlet or, you know, I mean, it's, 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 there are like a lot of um, imprinted, I think, ideas about character. 
And sometimes you could really reimagine it, right? And it actually then feels like uh, a new uh, a new form of theater. You know, um, I think, you know, casting can help with that. Um, sometimes cultural landscape or like geographical settings or just, you know, um, re-envisioning also allows for the audience and for the community to actually maybe see it through a different lens. So sometimes that's also um, really exciting, I think. And you also design for opera, dance, film. Yeah. <laughs> what are the different things you have to consider when going to these different mediums? Oh, that's a great question. I think when uh, when traveling right between different uh, performance spaces and mediums of expression, uh, the true difference I think lies in sometimes with like the collaborators, and uh, that I think a choreographer and a director often, you know, serves a similar function, right? And that there is a strong vision that we as the collaborators are really um, supporting, um, following, uh, uplifting, amplifying, uh, deepening as well. So that I think is uh, a commonality. And then I would say in terms of differences, um, you know, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes ultimately, like I, w- I will say this, I think the main difference is the level of uh, durability, right? Uh, mm-hmm. an item or a costume or an article of clothing may need to have. I think for dance fees or sometimes with operas or things that have a level, a high level of, of physicality, um, there are, are differences structurally how as a designer I would approach either one of them. So, you know, if we're doing, uh, you know, Three Sisters or, you know, a piece of good old uh, Ibsen or Chekhov, you know, um, <laughs> those folks aren't really, um, you know, uh, th- their their sense of time and purpose is, is quite different as opposed to if it is a piece, um, you know, we could say by Bill T. Jones. So I recently uh, had the honor and pleasure to collaborate with um, two different forms of medium and, and two different ways to start. So I think that's the main difference. And I also say... Um, but the stories often feel familiar and they can even echo. They feel the same. And oftentimes the people who are embodying these characters or storytellers, uh, the folks that are, you know, being the shepherds, right, um, of uh, of this vision, uh, you know, th- that often uh, we can find a lot of parallels between them. You know, they're like, they're still humans. They're still, you know, um, they still have feelings. <laughs> um, and most importantly, they also have uh, a voice, uh, a voice in the collaboration. They uh, will give amazing and sound input that I think really helps me as an artist and as a collaborator to um, to to make my work stronger, to make our work stronger, right? Um, mm-hmm. How the piece wants to move, how the piece is going to shift, even from the first act to the second act, um, what level of transformation may be included in that conversation. So that to me, I think is um, also like uh, a similarity. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And you (laughs) frequently collaborate with the director, Whitney White. And can you you tell us more about your work together and what makes a good collaborative relationship between a director and a designer for you? Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. I think what makes a great collaboration between a director and an artist um, is trust. And communication. I mean, I think honestly, it's like any old relationship. Okay, <laughs> we got to know what's going on. We got to know that you know that 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 the individual that you are uh, sharing space with, right? That you're holding space with, ultimately, um, that there's a good rapport, that there's great uh, positive energy, um, and trust in that you uh, can you know lay or like re- relay. Excuse me, that you can relay 
um, your ideas, your impulses, and that they um, embrace them. Uh, and sometimes they might even like manifest them into something else. And so for me, you know, that can manifest into some sketches. It can manifest into, you know, something being draped on like a good form. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it can manifest, you know, from like a magazine clipping or, you know, we could be like, hey, I actually just saw this movie or, um, often, but again, that is something that, um, excuse me, I think what I would also add to that is uh, is like the development over time. I think that's what makes such a great collaboration between a uh, director, choreographer, filmmaker, uh, and the artists that they're working with. And for me as a designer. And so, um, and so I would say that in terms of the trust again, is that, um, that, that the language that we're both speaking, um, it doesn't always have to be the same. Um, but there is a, a common denominator. There is a unifying principle, uh, in the way that we're, uh, approaching the work and that we're both being able to listen. We're actually both, uh, excited right to actually have challenging questions if they arise but also um have some great time <laughs> you know i mean you know you end up working very closely with uh with the director with the choreographer or you know um uh like a film artisan and so um what what i often find makes for a good or a positive you know because collaboration you know is ubiquitous and so but I think for, you know, a lasting collaboration, what often helps um, is this idea of communication and that the communication is not siloed. You know, I think everyone's really part of these ideas. Um, folks are woven in a little bit into um, what the process looks like, um, that it doesn't feel foreign. Folks aren't feeling like, uh, when is this going to happen? Um, but it, uh, But honestly, it is such a unique thing, I think, for each person. Um, so, you know, we kind of allow for, for there to be air and for there to be room, you know, uh, and how a collaboration happens. And, um, I think lastly, I'll just say that what I think what I can say, um, proudly and, and happily, uh, is when you're collaborating with Whitney White, uh, you're collaborating with the, with, with a true, true visionary, uh, with, with a comrade, um, you know, she exists in this world, not just as a director, but, you know, behind the scenes, you know, she's a philanthropist, you know, she's an educator, she's a mentor. Um, she really is committed uh, on stage, backstage, wherever. <laughs> and that to me is something that I'm really attracted to um, as a human. Um, you know, I I like to know that the the team and the family that I'm part of, the artistic family that I'm part of, fully sees me, right? Understands me. Um, and again, we don't always have to speak the same language, but that there is a way for us to understand one another. And that I think uh, allows for a good old time. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a dream match. It sounds like you guys are meant to work together. For yeah. sure. <laughs> and you spoke a little bit about this already when you were talking about preconceived notions of characters when audiences come into the space. Oh, yeah. Are there other rules that you've given yourself the permission to break when it comes to designing? Oh, absolutely. Babe, uh, I don't live with the rules. Uh, I'll be quite <laughs> frank. Um, <laughs> I think anyone that knows me knows, uh, you know, um, and, and and I think that there's uh, joy in that. There's power in that. I would say as an artist, if we're creating rules, then why are we doing this work, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, to me, I, I'm not trying as an artist to to limit what I have to say or to even funnel how I say it. I think that's not uh, earnest or um, necessary. I will also say that I think um, as a creative, um, 
ultimately what we're doing uh, can feel right. Uh, uh, can feel like a call to action. Uh, can feel like it's connected or aligned with a sense of spirituality, uh, even divinity. You know, I think that you know folks have different um, alignments. Um, and so I will say, I think for me personally, I um, I don't think that rules um, help us. And, and, and quite frankly, rules are always meant to be broken. But I think that each new uh, adventure, each new play, each new musical, um, each new idea, right, needs to have the full space of growth, of transformation, of resources, let's name that, mm-hmm. uh, in order for it to actually have the, like, like the full breath that it needs uh, so that it can also take air and rise. And it might even, you know, grow bigger and beyond <laughs> than, than what you maybe have imagined. And that I think is truly, um, you know, like the best scenario, <laughs> you know, and honestly, then, you know, then you are blessed to be with a cast or an ensemble of people who also are ready to take that journey with you, right? Who, who, who may also be willing to embark uh, on this idea of a vision and, 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 and to see it through. And I think for a lot of uh, communities of color and particularly black folks, brown folks, um, we don't always get to have the space for our stories to be told, uh, for our stories to be reimagined. Um, it often comes out of strife or uh, adjacent to whiteness. And uh, it, it no longer has to be that way, <laughs> quite frankly. And so for me, I think as an artist, I, I think that it is time for uh, people to dream even bigger, even wider. And, um, and, and if there are rules or if people feel like there are rules put in front of them, I think you can challenge them gracefully. Um, and again, and, and it's not to be, you know, antagonistic, but um, if there is a way that we've been operating, if it doesn't work for everyone, I don't think that it serves us to continue to reimagine, oh, well, maybe we can do it this way this season or next season it could be this way. Actually, no, it, it doesn't work. So actually, let's say it doesn't work. That's fine. If there are things or tools or if there are even, you know, things that we can apply to a new idea, of course, we can honor that. Um, we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the way from the scratch. But I think if there, um, I think that there needs to be true reimagination um, in, in some capacities. And, um, and again, this is not to, I think, be alienating or even to like be accusatory. I don't think that's what it is at all. I just think that in this uh, time of awakening, uh, post, uh, I I, I can't even say post pandemic because we are knee deep in it as it is. So we're actively in the pandemic, but post uh, George Floyd and knowing that there have been many George Floyds way before there's been a Trayvon Martin, right? Um, There's been a Marsha P. Johnson, right? And there has Queen been many, many uh, people of color, and particularly black folks, who have been so marginalized and killed uh, by this idea of, like, stagnant thinking uh, about returning to a sense of the good old days. And, you know, we can ask ourselves, you know, did those days really, you know, were they good for everybody? And so I think that I'm excited 
as a collaborator, as an artist, as an actor. In 2021, Queen was MoMA PS1's To really reimagine how we tell stories. Co-curated memoriam and And ultimately how we invest in them. This installation called Awareness of the Last Five Years of Transphobic and Fetal Violence Celebrating Black Trans For the response, not only for the community, but the young artists who are, you know, actively seeing what was happening, March on for voting rights. I think in 10 years, you know, we will have to see, right, a new language, a new wave of reaction uh, from what folks are experiencing, living in a pandemic, living in a true uh, civil war uh, against race in this country, race, gender identity, sexuality, um, you know, women's reproductive rights, all of these things. I mean, it's it's something that um, we can't ignore. Uh, you know, the war uh, against uh, our AAPI community um, with relentless Asian hate and, and, and violence, uh, as a community, we are going to respond Mm-hmm. Folks are going to have stories uh, of, of personal things that they've experienced, but also of things that we hope to see can be our future. And mm-hmm. that as a community, we can invest in that. Let's invest in that, right? We don't miss, uh, and again, this is not to take away from Ibsen or a, a, a good old piece of doll's house, but <laughs> that may not be, you know, what could apply to my life or to my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that this question started with, you know, your design work and got into your <laughs> activism work at, because those those things are so interwoven and tied and yeah, um and and it feeds into our next question. Uh you've done this incredible work through the creation of the of Black Trans Liberation and yeah. can you tell us more about the mission of your organization and what you all are doing? Absolutely. Black Trans Liberation uh for me is a daily commitment. Uh it is uh my fist in the fight. It is a dedication uh, to not only uplifting, but truly creating uh, access and sustainability for uh, TGNC, uh, trans and gender nonconforming folks, and particularly uh, Black trans women, uh, who we know are not only um, ostracized in society, but uh, they face uh, such a life-threatening life expectancy um, of the age of 35. And that is something that I'm deeply committed to ratifying, uh, to actually really dismantling altogether. Um, Black trans folks deserve to live and they deserve to be able to have equitable ways to live, to be able to have a fair education, uh, to not have to face job discrimination, housing discrimination, uh, to not, you know, not need to continually face food inequities and insecurities uh, when it comes to accessing those things, um, accessing their, those rights, not only as Americans, but as humans. Uh, folks often don't want to disassociate that. And so um, actually Whitney says something really beautiful. It's like, um, you know, some somehow somewhere down the line in our history and just of evolution, you know, for black folks, black women in particular, there's this idea that they're super strong, supernatural, but somehow that they're not human or that they're subhuman, mm-hmm. superhuman even, right? That they can withstand all types of pressures and uh, forms of white supremacy and, and all types of uh, oppression so that they're superhuman and then, or, or even not human at all, anti-human. And so I think that that is something that I'm super aware of. Our community is aware of as Black people, but truly uh, at this moment, centering Black trans voices uh, and, and creating sustainable ways for them to uh, not only survive, but to even potentially thrive. Um, and so for me, for our uh, organization that shows up in forms of uh, job security and equity, uh, a lot of training, a lot of, um, you know, sitting down, right, with employers and, and different corporations, um, 
and even other organizations, right, who who are, you know, willing <laughs> at this point, right, or yeah. who are, are, are being asked, right, or demanded of, right, for, for real equitable change. Um, and that's a great thing. Uh, I don't, I don't ever want folks to feel like, oh, well, now we got to do this thing. You know, well, well now the trans folks, you know, I mean, first off, trans folks didn't just arrive onto the scene. Uh, that's a big misnomer. Uh, you know, we have always existed. We have never had space. And so now if we're calling for there to be equitable space, uh, you know, we shouldn't feel like, oh, my God, you know, that like somehow community or artists are being uh, burdened, right? The PWIs as they were, um, for I, I'm sure y'all know what that gives. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but it's not burdensome. I think folks really should, uh, re- uh, this is actually an invitation to do better, an invitation to deepen your work. A lot, of, I, honestly, um, and this is not to just run off, but I think a lot of these organizations and um facilities or these, you know, um, corporations, uh, you know, if you go online or if you, you know, do just a little bit of reconnaissance, so much of their mission statements are rooted in global uh, emotional care and equity uh, and, 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 and community preservation. Um, and it's like, okay, but if we look, right, and you're, uh, like, we could even take it, you know, if we look at your board, right, we see what it's given. If we look at your staff, we see what that's given. And so it, it feels like there's a huge disconnect. And ultimately, uh, what it feels like, you know, folks are relentless or sometimes reluctant, right, to really commit themselves to that change, uh, to actually truly being uh, inclusive and diverse and it not just being part of a fad or just a wave, you know. This season, we're going to be, you know, inclusive and being diverse. No, I mean, it, it, it's a commitment. And, and there are really, um, and there are people, and there are, you know, uh, that's happening. It's actually been happening way before the pandemic, but I think now we can't ignore it. And I think that that, again, is an invitation for us to continue doing that work, for us to recommit ourselves, right, to really uh, making sure that Black lives, that all Black folks um, are no longer left in the margins of society, no longer left in the margins of your thinking, um, that they don't always have to be unhoused. And ultimately, uh, and truly, this is a sentiment that I always think about, but um, because someone is homeless doesn't mean that they're hopeless, right? It means that they the system has failed them. Systems have continually failed us. But we don't have to stay in that failure. We don't have to make excuses for the failure. We can actually start to repair and have a path of restitution, a path of care, most importantly, um, you know, what does it look like for all these companies to, you know, to actually have a clinical therapist, right, on staff, mm. you know, a series of them, right? We could have a four, uh, you know, a, I mean, so, 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 so there are ways for us to really invest, I think. Well, not I think, I know. <laughs> there are ways for us to really invest um, in a, a really positive and equitable future, that can exist. We can really start with the PWIs, right? Because we know that the <laughs> grassroots folks, we've already been doing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We've already been uh, um, instructionally and innately, right, dedicating ourselves uh, to everyone. And not just the folks at the top, not just, you know, the folks that are in artistic position leaderships. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, we know that at every tier in a business, a corporation, in a household, and every tier, 
everyone needs care. Everyone needs sustainability. Everyone needs uh, a paycheck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone needs to be greeted and loved on from the moment that they arrive. Everyone wants to feel that they matter. And this isn't to say again that oh well one person is you know no, no, but, but if if that's kind of what the benchmark is right we have a, an entire family or network of folks who need to have uh, accessibility permanent accessibility right even a little piece of healthcare that wouldn't hurt <laughs> you know um, so I think that with the resources that we have is there not a way to think like actually how can we equally and and fairly and adequately disperse those resources so that we don't always have folks that are always at the top, um, you know, that are thriving, so it seems. Or we can just mm-hmm. tell by the social media. <laughs> okay. You know, mm-hmm. we can start with Elon Musk. Hey, yeah. brother. Um, <laughs> you know, but again, and, and again, you know, uh, and, and just to that point, you know, I think that there's a huge understanding or, you know, folks will be like, well, you know, these folks or folks with money, um, you know, that they invest back in the community, right, that they make charitable co- contributions. But uh, that's not a path towards a liberation, right? A one-time donation doesn't save a community. An investment does, right? Mutual aid mm-hmm. does, right? If we stop, you know, uh, you know, if we give out, you know, a turkey, and again, this is not to be cynical, but if we only give out a turkey every Thanksgiving, you don't think that those folks are hungry? Mm-hmm. What if we gave out, you know, uh, two or four turkeys every month? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And speaking of mutual aid, you (laughs) know, that was great. Um, You led your protests at Stonewall fighting for black trans liberation. And can you tell us more about what Stonewall protest is continuing to do for the community? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I will say, so, uh, yeah, I um, was one of the founding organizers for the Stonewall protest. And, um, but uh, since, I mean, but since like this past year, uh, you know, things have evolved and I have also, um, moved on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the community is still there. I'm still part of that community. Um, and, um, and so there's a deep commitment, obviously, to the core values, um, practicing, um, you know, uh, we are, um, you know, to, to, to unlearn a lot of the systemic forms of racism and systemic oppression that we are uh, navigating, um, educating community, um, about, uh, TGNC folks and about TGNC care and uh, truly vitality in our community and liberation. And that really uh, has manifested into Black Trans Liberation. Uh, you know, full-time, that's where I'm at. 
and then working with a lot of amazing community partners and other organizers and organizations, excuse me, uh, like Bridges for Life, <laughs> which is founded by Tatiana uh, Furman, uh, and they are based out of uh, Jersey, New Jersey, uh, work with uh, Stop Killing Us campaign, which is a very powerful, um, dedicated uh, work um, to ratifying the unfortunate uh, aggressive deaths of trans folks, in particular trans women, uh, trans women of color. And that is founded by uh, Miss Lexi Fox, and as well as a lot of community organizations like Glitz, uh, Gays and Lesbians of a Transgender Society, um, founded by Kyan Dora Show, the Black Trans Travel Fund, uh, For the Girls, um, the Black Trans Femmes Collective. Um, you know, it, it, so there are many incredible folks that are modeling right, that have spearheaded this idea of how do we connect our community to care? How do we create a sustainable way to put it together? Um, and, and how do we ensure that folks aren't waiting, but they're just receiving the things and the care that they need? And so that's what, um, and so, and so that's what the last, you know, so, so that's where I've been committing myself. <laughs> um, and, you know, I truly feel deeply seated in my purpose. And, and that also manifests, as we know, in, 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 in the mobilization of community protests, um, as well as, you know, getting folks um, uh, on the front lines when it comes to the unfortunate murders that continually happen, unfortunately, right? Because we have not uh, truly ended the thing, right? The police brutality will end when police end, but somehow we're not going to make that connection just yet. Uh, but I'm <laughs> continually ready to educate and to implore folks um, to abolish the police. <laughs> and, and truly, and, and this is not jokingly, but uh, I, I mean that with true sincerity. Um, you know, recently we were down in Baltimore, uh, there was a young high school student, Donnell Rochester, um, who was supposed to graduate this month, shot and killed by the police in February. And the community and the family uh, were lied to. Information was withheld from them. Video footage then came out after they were actively pursuing them for information, for tr- you know, for truth. And, you know, video footage showed that um, what the police had alleged was incorrect, false, Um and that this young child was killed and shot and ultimately choked in their own blood while being handcuffed. And so it's, it, 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 it's those atrocities that really highlight the inequities and the uh, true racism that is in with these uh, systems, these systems of law, um, that we will not escape until there is truly a nationwide calling to action, a nationwide sense of, of, of uh, true investment and reimagining what that looks like. Um, I think a lot of folks, I mean, I don't, you know, the Derek Chauvin trial, you know, his, uh, you know, that team, you know, they're, they, you know, are trying to get a plea deal, right. To get his sentence reduced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was the uh, unfortunate murder that launched everyone into civil unrest. So there is truly, like the system um, doesn't allow for there to be real permanent justice, equitable justice. And so therefore we have to reimagine the system, uproot it. But, but, you know, obviously, but that means that we have to put something in place that is contingent and and serves the entire community, that benefits and allows for the entire community to rise. And not just the folks at the top, not just the one, two percent. Okay, that little one, two percent milk, it, look, it'll always be there. But how do we make sure that everyone, right, is rising? How do we make sure everyone else is truly, um, you know, fortified, um, 
in their growth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that so directly can be applied to the theater community as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There yeah. are many correlations of white supremacy. Yeah. But again, you know, we don't have to stay there. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing. It's like, I mean, as we all know, I mean, there were so many uh, artists, um, storytellers, um, proud, uh, fearless individuals, honestly, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic and folks emerged and told their stories, spoke out their truths of the discrimination that they faced, of the inequities that they had to endure. And um, for a moment, it seemed that there was a true, true, true sense uh, and care and investment in humanity, right? There was all these like organizations, you know, just like one-off things really now it seems. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there were, you know, commitments made Statements made, I should say, so uh, again, uh, like, 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 let me really uh, get specific. <laughs> a lot of statements were made about, uh, you know, making this a better place for us to work and to live and to create. Um, and I think and I, this is not to be cynical or just not to be, but I'm just observing it. And it seems like, you know, we've made such a effort into the land acknowledgements. And that has been very consistent. But are we truly, you know, invested into our indigenous communities? Like, are, like, are they partners of these institutions? What's going on? So again, I, I think that, and then on top of that, you know, we, how we truly centered the black and brown stories, the black and brown lives, um, the communities that have systemically, historically, all of those things been literally kept and shut out. Have we truly invested in them having a permanent seat at the table? And sometimes if it's not a table, that they have a, a permanent set of keys, yeah. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to be jovial. We're going to continue to live um, and to be resilient uh, because, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. I mean, a friend of mine jokes and says, girl, look how long it took, you know, for us to stop being segregated. And I was like, my dear, there are still parts of this country that are desegregated. Yep. So and obviously, you know, we need to tell these lawmakers, policymakers to keep their hands off of our bodies, right? I mean, it's all connected, the political and the personal, right? I mean, if we are telling women and femmes what to do with their body, if the law is telling them how to conduct it, it's egregious. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we should not have to truly run out into the streets to call people in and to say, this is unacceptable. We should not have to worry that young uh, trans youth are going to be somehow chastised, penalized. You know, parents will be considered, you know, abusers for trying to support their family and their loved ones. Yeah. yeah. It, it needs more than a reset at this point. Um, I think, is you know, there, there truly needs, um, again, to be an active investment and to not, you know, Settling ourselves right back into the oppression that we just climbed up out of. Some of us are still trying to get up out of it. Mm-hmm. Some folks still have not been able to pay their rent. Do the folks in Flint, Michigan have clean water? What's yeah. going on? And like you're saying, it's not like 
the pandemic's over either. You know, it's like, it's, it's all just still circling and the talk keeps happening or the talk stops. I feel like I've noticed that a lot with a lot of the organizations that we're speaking up. It's like now that they're back in person, like you don't hear the promises anymore. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, yeah, I actually love that. You know, the conversations have stopped. And what happens when the heartbeat stops? Baby, everything dies. You know, I think uh, I had a colleague, uh, I think maybe we were like having an open discussion similar to this kind of forum, right, about um, about this idea of liberation, ultimately about revolution. And like, how does the revolution keep going? I said, the revolution never stopped. <laughs> if, at any, if at any point we thought the revolution stopped, right, somehow, okay, well, we got Trump out of the, you know, out of the White House, uh, boo, he might clamor himself right back in there. <laughs> if we are not actively, again, being so vigilant and actively uh, working towards true revolution, equitable, inclusive, intersectional revolution, we will find ourselves back out in the streets, hands mm-hmm. up, don't shoot, hands off my body, not going back to wire hangers. I mean, we will literally find ourselves regressing, regressing. You know, uh, we want, you know, our marriage equality bills to come back. I mean, all of these things will be um, uh, compromised. And um, no one wants that. Thank you all for taking time. (laughs) I know this is a lot. I know this is supposed to be a quick (laughs) conversation about artistry, but, you know, uh, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you have time for like a speed round of like our final closing sessions? Oh, a speed round? Okay, I'll yeah. try to be quick. <laughs> She's long-winded, but I can be quick. <laughs> no, we love it. Yeah, so this part we call Queering the Canon. So is okay. there a play or a musical work that you would like to see adapted in a queer way? and Or is there one that you would like to design for? I've always been enamored uh, by Sylvester and uh, all the contributions that they made, right, um, mm-hmm. to the scene and to community. So I don't know. I feel like something around Sylvester would be awesome. And I would love, honey, to adorn. <laughs> uh, however way that that manifests. But yeah. Amazing. Uh, for a queer culture rec, so outside of theater, what's your queer culture indulgence? And you can take that however you want. Oh, I mean, okay. No shit, baby. Let me tell you. I love a poppy juice moment. Oh, yes, God. Uh, I love, you know, a poppy juice moment. And also, you know, I, I love to, um, you know, I think a, a good old queer cookout is where I'm best suited mm. with, with my potato salad um, and pink lemonade <laughs> yes. and a pizza hot dog every now and then. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, we do queer game nights, but Holly, maybe we should do a queer barbecue yeah. cookout. Soon. I mean, you know. Yeah. Let's do it. Always. I'll come. <laughs> yes, please. We will invite you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned so many amazing um, organizations uh, that we will link to and folks yeah. can follow. Is there one in particular that you would like to shout out that our listeners can support and potentially give to help? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, look, it, it's no question. Black Trans Liberation. Yeah. Okay. Tap right in. I mean, we're really excited. <laughs> we have a lot of amazing partnerships and community uh, communal outreach uh, endeavors uh, and uh, this part we have a lot of uh, uh, I mean look I just want to like spill it now but we have a lot of <laughs> things that are coming out um, around the first week of June um, that I think are really um, you know aligned with uh, with our mission uh, but also uh, with the you know with the investment of our people 
centering them and providing for them. So um, folks, and please look out, tap in, um, support. You can support often as you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you can support us well and you can support us often. I mean, we would love that. But yeah, yeah, Black Trans Liberation. (laughs) Awesome. And I think the last thing is how can people follow you online if you want them to follow you? (laughs) Hi, everybody. Um, I'd love, you know, to, you know, I like to connect, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of disruption that happens, but I think that we need to make a lot of connections. Uh, a great, um, you know, colleague um, who who gives, I think, a lot of insight um, that oftentimes we we think that this fight is um, that this is one group's fight, right? Well, this is the queer struggle. This is the trans folks problem. This is the black people problem. Um, instead of actually naming it and taking it on, no, this is our problem. You know, as a community, how can we be okay, right, with our age, age you know, with, with with our Asian siblings constantly being harassed, being attacked, being stabbed? I mean, it is it, it is unbelievable that people are still operating with that type of hatred. That can't exist anymore. It needs to end. Uh, trans and, and non-binary folks that are constantly in a war zone, that needs to end. You know, people deserve to live. People deserve to have a full access to everything. And it not just be a one-time package. No, we need daily and like investments and, and healthcare and the mental health resources to ensure that we not only are healing ourselves, but we're preparing ourselves, right, for the next part of this revolution. Vitality. And is there, thank you for that. And um, is there a way for folks to follow you like on social media? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So you can follow me on social media. Um, I have a Facebook, but I don't know what that's given. I have a MySpace. I, I don't even know if that logs in anymore, but you can definitely find me on Instagram. Instagram is uh, Queen Jean, a Q W E E N underscore J E A N. And again, that's Queen Jean, Q W E E N underscore J E A N. And you'll find me. And all my thoughts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. I Thank oh, you. this was so um so joyful and, and really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, we thank you so much for giving us the time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. If you like, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. So excited to hear your queer culture recommendations or any of your ideas on how we could queer the canon. You can call us, yes, actually call us and leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251 or send us an email at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. Okay, see, this was supposed to be speed. Um, <laughs> no, it's oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! So it feels speedy. That's kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't. I mean. Um... Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.